Afrolit fam, welcome back to another episode. You know, every every episode is special, every guest is special, so I don't really need to do too, too much of an introduction, but I'm going to anyways, because each person deserves their accolades and their praise out here. So I am joined with Antoinette Isama. She is a journalist, writer, producer for, you know, a website you may have heard of called OK Africa, but also in her own right has just documented so many amazing stories and is really just an up and coming and great journalist, you know, and I'm so excited to just know you and see the journey. You know, I think that um, when we first met, I knew that I knew you from like just you know okay Africa like kind of know and trying to get to know everyone there mm-hmm. in these streets. in these streets yeah. you know <laughs> especially in New York mm-hmm. shout out but um, like just having learned and like seeing you at various events and like connected with you especially during like the OK 100 Women like I think that you're just doing amazing things within yourself so Thank welcome you. to Afrolit. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. This is the first. So I know. First podcast appearance. Oh, kind of, yeah. sort of. I did like a Red Bull thing two years ago. Just low key, you know. Just like a it was Red Bull Radio now. I, yeah. I mean, I thought it was Radio Radio. Oh, but it was internet. Okay. I'm like, okay, I guess that counts. Yeah. But not, but like, I appreciate this. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course, it. of course. Um, but yeah, I, you know, again, Afrolit is always just about highlighting the fam, highlighting like the extended mm-hmm. African community, especially in metropolitan cities. So, rep your set. Where are you from? Within so, the US, but then also from the continent. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Maryland. Hey, DMV. DMV. You already I don't know. know the area code, but okay. 301. <laughs> 301, 301, 301. 301 mm-hmm. area code. Mm-hmm. Um, was born in Laurel, Maryland. Grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland. Okay. And my family's from Nigeria, so I'm uh-huh. also Nigerian. Yes, super eagles. Yes, green, white, green. You yeah. already know. <laughs> <laughs> That's light. Yeah. You know, they just... You know, I feel like you're very humble with it. Very I have humble. to be. I have I to balance it out. You do. <laughs> you do. You know, because there's just variations. My people can be extra. It's okay because we know we're extra. Okay. So. Good. I'm glad that you recognize it. Yeah. I don't want to be that, you no, know. Just, we know. Uh, we're okay. well aware. Okay. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you spent time. So have, did you spend any time between both places or would you say majority of your like upbringing was in Silver Spring? Maryland? Yeah, majority of my upbringing was in Silver Spring. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been home a handful of times, but definitely not Very enough. Cool. Okay. Working on that, though. Okay. Like last time I was there was um, 2017. Oh, nice. Um, my parents go back often. Of oh, course, okay. my dad is now based there in oh, Abuja. Wow. Okay. Um, my mom's still in Maryland with my brother. Yeah. My older brother. I have an older sister in Chicago. Oh. Yeah, so we're going to have all over. Okay. Um, so are you the last born? Or are I you am. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're considered like the baby of the family. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like that? Or kind of, you kind of like push back on that? It's like, I'm grown. I know what I'm doing in New York City. I'm lit. Da, da, da. It has its perks, and okay. it also has that kind of feeling where you really need to show people that you're okay and that you're grown. Yeah. Because um, there's that tendency, which I appreciate, 
you know, I love my family to death. Like they, we all look out for each other, especially with my um, siblings and I. But I have to sometimes be like, y'all, I got it. <laughs> like I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Talk mm-hmm. to me about that dynamic because I feel like sometimes you know it's like the opposite where it's like the eldest. When I, you know, have had these conversations with various other people, mm-hmm. like when they're the eldest and like they kind of step out and like are doing their own thing, there's kind of the pressure to walk like the very perfect line. Mm-hmm. So there's this like level of perfection. But I feel like for you being on the opposite spectrum, it's kind of like they want to teach you mm-hmm. so you don't make any mistakes. So it's kind of like being perfect, but like In a taking, yeah, way. taking it from a different way. For like, sure, yeah. do you feel like sometimes that pressure is put on you by yourself and then it's just like an added mm-hmm. from the family yeah i our dynamic was interesting because um i definitely look to my siblings as examples they're definitely great examples my parents raised us to just be the best at whatever we wanted to do okay like i was fortunate to have like my interests be encouraged yeah um i was that kid that did everything i wanted to try everything i love it um so i did the absolute most <laughs> gymnastics I played, name it. I played basketball yep. ran track oh did band i played a couple instruments you know which instruments <laughs> you could have seen the rock star and Toinette, uh, you know i mean i had to retire but <laughs> <laughs> um i played the flute Okay. Play the trombone, dabbled with the piano a little bit. And I was a choir kid, so I sang too. Of course, you know, yeah. that Sunday morning, mm-hmm. early. Church kid. Mm-hmm. Did like, you know, glee type shit in high school. Of course. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, you know, extracurriculars was like in an African home. If you had like substantive extracurriculars, yeah. that's how you could actually like have a life. Oh, you know what I mean? Other, about otherwise, it. you come home after school. <laughs> and for me, I was like, I actually want to be out and do and like stuff. Maybe have some friends. Yeah, have like, friends, you know, home. maybe be like yeah. out here and like maybe get compliments mm-hmm. on the, you know, on a shirt. Yeah. And like, um, <laughs> Oshkosh Bigosh. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you already know. And outside of that, you know, I did like student government. Oh, okay. Um, I went to private Catholic school in high school. So we had like a program where mm-hmm. you could essentially be a mentor to the younger students. Mm-hmm. So I got to lead retreats, um, oh. have like a mentor, a mentee. Relationship, um, you know, lead stuff like that. So, oh my gosh! So, talk to me about just how you balanced and managed it all. Mm-hmm. Like, were you just like you knew like this is what you wanted to do? You wanted to be a part of all these different groups, and like you kind of took hone on that, mm-hmm. or was it also your parents like, oh, go try this? Because they they seem like they would push you to try everything because mm-hmm. you were interested in it. They were totally encouraging. I'll yeah. just say that like nothing was by force. I wasn't okay. forced to do anything that cool. I didn't want to do. Yeah. Um, and it was like one of those things in high school, at least, because I kind of got that reality check in college where like working under pressure, you know, having hella responsibilities yeah. and wanting to do well at them. Like that's mm-hmm. how I was able to thrive. Mm-hmm. But once I got to school, I kind of realized that I needed a better balance. And I needed to know when to say no. And that's still something I'm working on now. Yes. Um, need to know when to say no. Need to know, like, you know, boundaries, not yeah. to push yourself too much because then burnout happens. Right. I, like, hit a wall. I was exhausted. Wow. 
Wow. So so let's but mm. before we dive into that, but which we definitely will. Yeah. I want to come back to how you you know started realizing and learning that writing was your medium mm-hmm. and journalism was your passion. Like, yeah. was it something that you knew from like you know early schooling days, being in like private school and like mm-hmm. you know being the star, you know <laughs> number one in the writing <laughs> class, or mm-hmm. you know was it something that was kind of always within the home because you know our families are always newspaper heavy bbc do not change the channel exactly even if one eye is definitely falling asleep so was it like just being surrounded by that like Mm -hmm. tell me about that for sure like once my parents came home from work i had to change the channel (laughs) to uh, (laughs) one news station or another they had us watch all of them at the time it was a wee bit more um, objective and balanced. Yes. So they wanted they wanted us to make sure that we had different that we were exposed to different perspectives when it came to people's experiences and how like current events were covered. Right. Um, so that was definitely a mainstay growing up. Yeah. And I would definitely say when I was nine years old, that's what that's when I knew that this is what I wanted to do. Amazing. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. So yeah. did you just always like gravitate towards the writing mm-hmm. and like you just wanted to cultivate read, your skills? I read so much. Yeah. Like Saturdays were spent at the library. You know, at that <laughs> another immigrant family mainstay, right? Like you want it's something free, to do, you know? We're going, or going I would, library. Si- yes, mm-hmm. sitting in Barnes and Nobles yes. or Borders, yep. R.I.P. Yes, R.I.P. to Borders, right? Ah. Where you just sit. The CDs are there. They mm-hmm. have that little ill it's CD sample, player. Right? You, you listen to like thirty seconds of it, and because <laughs> you know you were about to get that CD. Oh. Were you ever the type to just kind of put it in your mom's cart and just let it, like, let's see what happens? No, or I would she was, ask. Oh, you would ask? I would oh, ask okay. her. And sometimes just, I would just know how to gauge it. <laughs> if, if I could tell she was in that giving mood, I would just ask her. <laughs> but I, just, I knew when not to mess oh, with her. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't try it like that. You didn't? <laughs> um, so aside from all that, um, I come from a family of writers. Mm, okay. Like everyone in my family is a super, super strong writer. Amazing. Like from mom, my dad, my siblings too. Um, you. And like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my mom would always tell my siblings and I stories about her own father who's self-taught poet, Amazing. like scholar of sorts, you know, Yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Um, so I definitely had, was inspired by him and, and how he was just like a sponge. Okay. I try to be a sponge too. That's beautiful because mm-hmm. I feel like and it's so like amazing that you're using the word sponge mm-hmm. because I feel like sometimes when, you know, we're reading stories now, it's coming from a very closed minded place mm-hmm. and like there, you know, as you know, the world that we're living in right now, there's so many different ideologies and like people supporting like crazy, crazy things. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice and refreshing to hear someone who's within that space saying that they're open to being a sponge and learning and growing. And so in, you know, so like, let's fast forward. So now you're in college. Did you choose journalism as your major? Like you went in knowing right off the gun, Mm -hmm. this is what you wanted? Yeah. That's amazing. Um, Did journalism as a major. Okay. The program that I did for undergrad, it was a requirement for you to either coat like have a double major mm-hmm. or a minor in something outside of the school of communication. Okay. Which is good. Yeah. Then that in turn encouraged you to have a well-rounded education. Completely. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Loyola Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. I-, I loved it there. Um, and so I did two minors. Okay. 
because in a way that was my way to navigate taking all the Africa classes and the international <laughs> classes. So I double minored in international studies and anthropology. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it just speaks so true to your character and even in the stories that you've written and mm-hmm. covered, you know, I think that you do provide that like lens where you want to understand like the full scope. It's very important. Of things yeah. and like not just Um, Because I think the beauty of, you know, a site like OK Africa is that the it's very entertainment heavy because, you know, there's no other site that's really documenting African entertainment in such a well-rounded way. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, too, you know, you cover you do cover the politics, especially like, you know, the fees must fall. um, Just the whole story Mm -hmm. that was taking place in South Africa, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that you just being, you know, the editor there and like having your say within that you know that was such an important article Mm -hmm. and like i think it resonated so much with like south african people but also just those who are learning about it Mm -hmm. you know and so like how important is it to you to like make sure that you're able to also teach Mm -hmm. within the story but also like state facts yeah you know because sometimes i feel like it's either one or the other like Mm -hmm. either i'm teaching you about what's going on and this is why you need to donate Mm -hmm. or you know like this is what's happening like this is the news sort of thing yeah like on an overarching aspect of things Mm -hmm. it's always important to let the facts speak for itself like yeah we're it's always kind of drilled in like show don't tell right yeah can't really be spoon feeding people stuff like if you can just lay it out the way it is yeah then the kind of takeaway that you want people to have Mm -hmm. they'll be able to you know go home with it um and i just think in general in the context of the work that i've done at ok africa so far um it's imperative that the youth have a platform to just sound off right? and to just say, hey, this is what we're going through. And if for folks that are from different areas, even in the diaspora, you kind of just see a lot of parallels happening. We're all kind of going through similar things, just in different right. contexts and in different ways. Yeah, And that in turn is what helps like build that bridge of understanding so ultimately, we just need to understand each other better. That is so powerful. <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel like we forget and, you know, I being on like this platform and using this as a tool of mm-hmm. connection, uh, especially for Africans, mm-hmm. I feel like we forget that there's 54 nations, meaning like there's so many different dialects, meaning mm-hmm. there's so many different politics and pl- like way things that move and like super super diverse we, in yeah way. in every way mm-hmm. like just because we are one continent does not mean that we are actually even all equal you know and like mm-hmm. there's certain things that we have like there's certain areas that have like their strengths in and there's certain things that they have that you know others don't have and even when it comes to just like showcasing that do you feel like you have a sort of pressure to represent the continent in a certain way because i know you know bbc is always going to tell the story of like the news Mm -hmm. and like you know unfortunately the killing and Mm -hmm. the massacres and Mm -hmm. like the negativity that does come from any place in the world Mm -hmm. but i do feel like you know there's sometimes i just go in africa and be like oh okay africa and i'm like wow like i didn't even know that type of dance move or like these are like the five new you know showcases that are happening you know like there's a lot more joy just (laughs) on the site so it's like do you find that that's just been like within the whole circle 
just a narrative that you wanted to portray and like maintain? Yeah. Um, we, for me, I definitely feel yeah. pressure. Yeah. Even just like w- knowing my identity and how I take up space in that context. Right. Because there's this notion that like, you know, Nigerians just want to be heard all the time. It's always about West Africa. Right. You know what I mean? I'm very, very hyper aware of that. Cause yeah. I know it's just it, like, of course it's not all about us. Like it has to be about everybody. Mm-hmm. So like sometimes I'll come across folks and they'll try to like throw that kind of shade. And I'm like, pause. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I'm doing this. I'm making sure that like we make it as like diverse as possible in terms of what we cover yeah who i'm working with like i I work with a really awesome like pool of contributors that are i deliberately like work with them because they're from a different place than me yes because they're because they're the ones that know their home countries best in terms of like who the creative tastemakers are the kind of hot music coming out from where they're from the fashions the art like all that beautiful all those beautiful things that we don't really see in these more mainstream platforms i want to make sure that um it's just at, there's a space for it. It's the like the tastemakers in the yeah, creative community like it's, that you it's grow. important to to give room for those folks mm-hmm. to for folks to want to get to know them. Because another aspect of it is that aside from you know fostering community community among first gen kids and continental Africans, OK Africa is also an entry point for folks who are just learning about where Completely. where they could come from or just they're just interested in on in the continent in general because mm-hmm. there's so many aspects of our cultures that are permeating ma- the mainstream space and people yes. need a context because a lot of of these other platforms don't really care to give that context of course not so i we at least try to make sure that we provide that for folks as well and i love that you're clarifying that because i think that you know and i i have seen that those comments and i do feel like it's unnecessary because at the end of the day like they don't really see the behind the scenes work or i can just know that they don't read our stuff (laughs) i can tell people engage with us just on instagram Right. Like, what about I'm like if you go to our our, our website? <laughs> yes, our our website. You'll see that we did it like a week ago. <laughs> you, you know, know? and yeah. like so. Talk to me about just like the variety on platforms mm-hmm. and like how that sometimes you know because there's the whole idea of like the medium is the message yeah. and like you know there's so there's so many mediums now and mm-hmm. even in the continent when things sometimes are banned like you know recently in Ethiopia like the internet was shut off because like kids yeah. were taking exams. Our, but our website is blocked in Ethiopia. Wow. So if anyone is listening and knows who we can who we can talk to. <laughs> We don't want no smoke. Like, we want people to <laughs> engage with us in Ethiopia. Yeah, that stuff happens. Censorship is very real. Let's talk about that. Because, yeah. you know, I'm sure, you know, you did cover when Rafiki, the mm-hmm. movie, was banned mm-hmm. in Kenya. But it still, you know, ended up being, like, uh, can receive. type of exa- Exactly. Yeah. And, like, will soon be on so many platforms for probably all Kenyans to mm-hmm. watch, whether they're in the country or not. Mm-hmm. And then... But I just feel like it's so archaic, you mm. know, how and but I want to just hear from your side and mm. your perspective, being that you, you know, are working with this like day to day. Like, what does it mean? Like, how do you navigate censorship? Like, is it even relevant now for new the new wave of Africans, whether that we're in the diaspora or on the continent? Like we can still download VPNs and get what the information that we need to get, you know? So what? What does censorship show to you? Censorship 
in the context of what I've seen when covering things happening, like Cameroon, for example, yeah. Sudan right now. Yes. Um, of course, like Ethiopia sometimes. Um, or even like if a country's having a major election, they always end up cutting off the internet for some reason. Always. That says something. And it's honestly dangerous. Oh, completely. Because they're essentially trying to like preeminate potential violence against these people who want to like have an opinion and a voice to the status quo. Right. So for me, it kind of worries me. Yeah. Because there are people that are like us that essentially are just fighting for a voice Mm -hmm. that for folks who are in different contexts and different spaces, that's something we totally take for granted. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I see things like that, it's definitely important for us as journalists to even report on it because that's infringing on folks being able to do their jobs, folks being able to seek truth. You know, as a a journalist and as someone who wants to consume the truth. You know what I mean? That's definitely something that, like, don't take lightly. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think Mm. what you're saying is absolutely fair. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think that... Of course, it's it's never going to be fair mm-hmm. for, like, someone... I think there should be, like, a change in, like, you know, this... I think it's the Constitution of, like, human rights. Yeah. Where, you know, it needs to include that everyone needs to have the right, honestly, to access of internet now. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's reached a point in our generation, in our livelihoods, where it's, like, if you don't have, like, a lifeline like that, then you can't necessarily live the full life. Exactly. Which is also like crazy to think about because it's like it's still wh- happening you know what it's i mean like f- like with everything that's going on on like social media platforms like facebook mm-hmm. and now like you know there's snapchat and like WhatsApp. there's way but yeah whatsapp oh my goodness like all those forwarded messages from the mm-hmm. aunties <laughs> you know what i mean mm-hmm. but it's it's so it's interesting too and it's so cool actually because now people are taking like a whatsapp number and like turning that into a business like yeah. now you can call someone to get these shoes mm-hmm. you can get these lashes you get these even, dresses you can even get media from whatsapp literally there are whatsapp groups that are just totally dedicated to folks just exchanging things sending things you know you know certain so- media platforms engage in with WhatsApp in that way. That's, I didn't even know that. Mm -hmm. That's amazing, you know? And so I think it just speaks so truly to what you're saying, which is like just access to the truth, Yeah, you know? And so I'd want to know more of just like, how do you feel like fake news then is affecting the continent? Like, I feel like there's so many like stories and like these videos, you know, I remember there was this video that went viral of like, the like there was this Chinese guy, or let me not assume, but there was mm. this Asian man like pouring in like plastic into mm. a machine and it was like spewing out like rice. Yeah. It's like, is that fake news Girl. or is that, you know, like it's how a do lot. we know? How do we know? Like, it's like there's levels to it. Pastors giving like this medicine because mm-hmm. they think it's going to cure malaria. Like mm-hmm. is fake news. You know what I mean? Like yeah. how do you even go about deciphering the truth? Because <laughs> there's, so, there's, so, yeah, there's so many ways to tackle this question. Because I, I think about it when like I come across super fake stuff on WhatsApp when I get it from like my uncles and my parents sometimes and even if it's like medicine related like my sister she just finished med school yeah and like so she'll have to (laughs) 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 whoa with that whoa yeah super proud of her um congrats thank you sometimes like if it's something medicine related oh if you eat this then you'll be able to prevent x 
and my mom my sister sometimes would be like hey like you know not quite <laughs> but it's it, it's an article yeah. on whatsapp though and i'm like but it's not it's a message on whatsapp it's like the whole like yahoo chainmail phenomenon has essentially evolved evolved into whatsapp sometimes on facebook too mm. you see the same disting on there too like it's kind of wild and for me when i when i see things like that it just makes me think about how we grew up in the internet age and i don't know i i definitely remember growing up when computers were starting to be a thing we had to go through that whole like talk about be careful about what's on the internet not everything is true this is mm-hmm. how you can this is how you can determine they will try to get you exactly you know, like offenders right? right like this is spam this could possibly like hack you know give you a virus mm-hmm. give you a virus like this is how you can determine what's true what's not you know what i mean but for folks who are are kind of like where it's kind of like thrown at them because the advent of, te- of technology in our mobile phones have has grown so quickly. It's right. just like, at what point have, have they been able to have that type of like training too? Never, like none of us. So of course you can't really blame them to a certain extent because right. they don't know no better. Right. You can try, but like, yeah. you know, I don't know what it is with our parents' generation and our aunties <laughs> and stuff. Like they're really into it. It's like their own world. Completely. And sometimes I'm just like, okay, I'm going to just look. They'll have like 600 <laughs> messages. If yeah. they let their phone just sit, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. No, but I completely hear you and I agree with you. Yeah. I think that we need to have that, especially like in the continent, we mm-hmm. need to have that kind of learning curve yeah. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i i think within schools and it, it also just goes to show you like there's levels to this like yeah. classism for sure you know and like i feel like you know the more able that you're able to like go abroad mm-hmm. or even like have like education outside or like go to a private school mm-hmm. you're able to determine like what's really fake versus what isn't yeah you know yeah. and sometimes when it's skewed and of course like age and like all these mm-hmm. different things environment has to like play it yeah, yeah exactly but i think that you know 90 percent of the time like if my mom were received something fake and she's like is this real like mm-hmm. read this story and i'm like no it's not mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i don't even have to read too much of it mm-hmm. like i see from the font the Literally. way that it's written yeah is fake yeah very <laughs> ambiguous like yeah and then even on the end of things where it actually looks like a real piece of media yeah or even just you know people's preconceived notions of what's happening on the continent yeah that's still something that is detrimental yeah to i guess our progress or just how we want to be perceived you know, the yeah. whole, you know, we're not a monolith thing. Exactly. The fact that we still have to tell people that we're not a monolith now. Can you imagine? It, I mean, it can get kind of, but it just kind of pushes me and like our team to keep going in that way. Like we just have to keep doing what we do. I love, I love that you're taking it in such a positive manner. Yeah, man. Because sometimes. <laughs> Otherwise. It's just like, it nah. It much. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Which yeah. comes back to how do you feel about BBC Pigeon? Mm-hmm. You know, we, because like you said, I feel like, okay, Africa, but even just like you as an individual being that you are an African journalist, you represent like so many different facets within that. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like now because they understand like, oh, you know, this is a growing market. Mm -hmm. So let's like 
step into it and so creating vvc pigeon like especially you know being that you are of nigerian descent mm-hmm. like is it something that is taken seriously yeah. or is it something that's just viewed as as a joke no i have yet to like hear feedback from folks yeah regarding that platform as a joke it's not yeah because it's a language that's amazing. It's a whole other language. I remember when they launched it, they yeah. also launched different um, offices that are solely dedicated towards like indigenous African languages. I love that. So Pigeon is just one of them. Yeah. So I'm not mad at it at all. Like that. that's another way for people to even understand what's being covered, covered in their communities even more. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that like the folks that work on these teams are actually from these places. That's amazing. The kinds of stories that are coming out of there I think are really cool. It, they you, are. You wouldn't be able to see it any other way if, yeah. it, if it weren't in that context. You know, it's that's like another, as it's another, it's another entry point in terms of like understanding You know what's so interesting? And I feel like I love that you're able to bring this perspective because, like, there have been so many debates on it. You know, the Twitter Mm -hmm. timeline Mm -hmm. is just, like, where everything kind of goes down. And so it's just, like, seeing people retweet it and Mm -hmm. then, like, seeing, like, the meme culture Mm -hmm. being brought out of it. But then also... (laughs) (laughs) Don't get me sorry about memes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the African internet's is just a whole other ball game. Oh, like, yeah. I feel like there's black Twitter, but then there's African Twitter mm-hmm. and, like, and memes that come out no- of the it. The Nollywood memes. Everybody's using those now. Everyone. Everybody's using Aki and Papa memes now. Everybody. Nolly babes yep. on Instagram. Young you know? Nollywood on Twitter. Wow. Like, there, Talk there's a to whole, me about it. There's a whole, there's, like, a newish Twitter page, Nollywood Twitter page, and I'm. Tr- I I want to say the person behind the page is from Brazil, because Whoa. everything is in Portuguese, but the clips are Niger- are Aki and Pop Pocket <gasps> clips, and they're like you just, you just use them as a meme. Yeah, just it's just like a whole timeline of it. I'm like this is crazy. Wow, that's a whole phenomenon we have to study. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I just feel like that in itself, but also just ties back into like the work that you're doing mm-hmm. because people see it now as visible and they're understanding the jokes mm-hmm. and like everyone is kind of in on it. You mm-hmm. know, I remember a situation where I didn't even get it. There was like my yay is different to your yay. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I needed clarity. <laughs> I had no idea what was happening. You know what I mean? And yeah. it was like it was such a fire thing. I mean, it was huge in the UK, mm-hmm. but it's like I wanted to know about it because i just felt connected because i knew the original song yeah you know mm-hmm. so it's like the fact that we just as a community are able to just attract so much attention and energy and energy you know yeah. like i can imagine that that's just something that you like how do you manage that like i know it comes back to like feeling the pressure mm-hmm. but sometimes do you feel like you know maybe like our attention is being taken into the wrong places. So like when things, for example, you know, of course, like when someone tries to like braid their hair and call it a different thing, Mm -hmm. or when someone now is using a certain print, whether it's the Maasai Mm -hmm. print or like goes to Kenya just to like visit the Maasai and like have this whole spiel on like how their life has changed Mm -hmm. and when they get dragged, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, but all of our attention now is going towards that or even recently with like Christian Dior and like their whole like um, new campaign of working with Velisco mm-hmm. and like how, I mean, you know, there's so there's so much rhetoric mm-hmm. towards it, but do you just feel like our energy sometimes just needs to be kind of, you know, just like honed in on a bit, a bit before we give 
all because at the same time they're still getting our eyes they're still getting that advertising it's engagement you know negative or positive yeah i see it as just you know learning how to pick your own battles you know Mm -hmm. not everything kind of warrants that kind of energy yeah because that's essentially what they want anyway yeah um and for me just observing it is exhausting i can only imagine how it can be for folks who really like sound off like that it's too much sometimes and what i like about those types of moments though is just the kind of conversation that comes out of it right like the threads people make context people give to each other like linking back to sources books other articles you know what i mean there's a real exchange happening there Mm -hmm. um and that's cool to see that's pretty much what i look for same yeah Yeah. it's like how is this conversation substantive Mm -hmm. you know what are we getting out of it completely no i feel you Mm -hmm. i feel you so let's take it back a little bit because we kind of jumped kind of jumped into you know how and where you are currently Mm -hmm. but i want to know more just about like the journey towards getting to this point so you know you're in college Mm -hmm. like you're studying it you know walk me to tell me about your final year and Mm -hmm. like if did you do a dissertation Mm -hmm. like what was that experience like so I the summer before senior year, I stayed yeah. in Chicago okay. um, because I was a part of the inaugural um, McNair Scholars at okay. the school. And it's a trio program. Okay. Um, and the McNair program essentially helps matriculate first gen college students and students of color onto the academia track. So if you have interest in pursuing a Ph.D., you would do this program, you get paired up with a faculty mentor, and they essentially walk you through what you need to do to essentially get into a doctorate program. Mm-hmm. And for me, being a like journalism student, I wasn't too sure if I would even get into the program because, really? yeah, because communications is, is considered a quote unquote soft science. It's not a hard science. And a lot of my cohort folks were in hard sciences. So psych, mm-hmm. you know, bio, a lot, you know, yeah, poli sci, right. and I'm like the only person. It's like low key, kind of creative, mm-hmm. you know. I so it's like liberal arts. Yeah, I had to essentially be creative in terms of how I navigated the program. Mm. So my um, projects, I had to write a paper and present it at a conference and stuff. It was a whole Ooh. thing that we had. We got to do um, uh, program visits to different schools. We got to attend certain McNair conferences and stuff. It's like a whole that's a situation whole world. Mm-hmm. Wow, a whole different world. Yeah, is yeah. it still available today? Can students yeah. or like potential, you know, up and coming totally look into it yeah. at your respective universities okay. and on state side? Like yeah. they more more than likely will have it. Okay. Only tricky thing about it is that at the time. You already know how it is with federal government. They stay cutting budgets. I see. And Trio definitely got hit hard, even when I was in the program. But it's still a legacy program. Okay. It's named after, like, a black um, astronomer. Oh, He was in space and stuff. He was, like, a solid-ass dude. Y'all should look him up. Yes. I'll link him. Ronald McNair. Yes. In the Um, the description. Yeah, totally look it up. I think it's worth it because Mm -hmm. it's, it's the type of guidance that... If anyone were to be interested in post-grad education, Definitely. it's a perfect way to for that to be a resource for you to get that going. Yeah. Um, at the time, I was open to it because I'm a dork, yo. Like, <laughs> I always love to learn. I'm all like, I'm I'm always wanting to learn. We I need more of that. Yeah, you know, I know I eventually want to teach. You know, 
Amazing. I want to do like my own thing. I want my own curriculum. Ooh. Okay. Let's talk about that. So, you know, she has, I'm just going to, you know, name job. She has her own, you know, mood board (laughs) Instagram. You may get allowed to see (laughs) all of the greatness. (laughs) But from that, she is starting your newsletter so talk to me about it like what why called why call it the tiny letter so tiny letter is um a platform from mailchimp it's like a super stripped down version of mailchimp essentially okay it's like no frills platform you can use and the whole point is to kind of give folks just a short like no distraction type of engagement with the type yeah. of content you want to make and yeah. it, it's also super easy to use so i'm like bet i'm gonna use that platform <laughs> and i just wanted to actually create for myself i see it was pretty much it and then yeah. like essentially go back to what i used to do because okay. i i was also that person that had almost all those like blogging platforms growing up i had a zanga you had a blog spot. Mm-hmm. I had a blog spot. Okay. I had MySpace. Like I was Ooh. all up in that stuff. I was, you know, Doing like the HTML. Yeah. You know, you with the glitter. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, look you at had that. music on the side. I had a Tumblr. I had two Tumblrs. Oh, what? They're still up. <laughs> Don't search them. <laughs> I mean, you can't we even never, want. Okay. Um, I use my Tumblr as a diary. So yeah, like, it was that's like, real. They, One of they them I, I used for like while I was in school, and I kind of just turned it into something that I wanted to keep up with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I was like always on those platforms, just yeah. creating. And at the time, I, I don't I didn't really think too much about it, other than the fact that. It, bef- this was also before all these platforms that we had now so that right. was essentially your way of like staying close with like your friends or internet friends and just exchanging whatever y'all are into completely essentially what we do on these other platforms now yeah. that's essentially what all these other platforms served a purpose for completely growing up um and i because i would i kind of recalled like how my mind was when i would you know, create in that way. And it was a lot more at ease in a way because I was still doing the most. I still had school and stuff. <laughs> of course. But I essentially made time to do something for myself. I was like, you know what? Let me actually get back to that again. I love that. And I think so. that time mm-hmm. is so important. I mm-hmm. don't think that, especially living in the world that we live in where it's constantly always on. Oh, you go. you have your work with you because it starts from your phone. Mm-hmm. So it's so important to really like step away and like do something for you yeah so when does the newsletter launch or it, has it launched already? yeah okay i sent out the first one on my birthday <gasps> oh which was, so stay tuned to sign up yeah, sign G- up june 14 mm-hmm. it's called antoinette's mood you know it's I literally anything i'm in the mood about talking about or sharing with y'all that's all it's gonna be in there that's it <laughs> yeah no but that's exciting mm-hmm. i think that like we need more young like african stories like Mm -hmm. period you know like i think that the more just visible we are Mm -hmm. the more present we are like things evolve things Mm -hmm. change so that's really exciting and i'm again like i love that i'm able to like participate in your journey but also like observe the journey you know and i think as you stated like you know what else, what other advice could you give to like aspiring or, you know, up and coming journalists mm-hmm. in this game? Because we have a new wave of journalism, honestly, mm-hmm. like, you know, from Kumla Dumour mm-hmm. on BBC to now Adeola of like the Adeola show who's literally yeah. like in front of a green screen, yeah. just telling us all the news on mm-hmm. YouTube. Like, what would you say, like, if you could give like three pieces of advice? One, read. Okay. 
reading makes you like a better on an writer. actual book not on like a computer I mean, whatever works you okay. know even though I, I do try to read books because we really can't be staring at the, at that the screens that at the rate that we do right. um definitely read different types of prose like between nonfiction and fiction whatever you're into because that definitely gets the creative juices going as well um second piece of advice is to essentially observe or like find folks that kind of do what you're thinking about doing Mm -hmm. and to see how they've been what their career trajectory was like a lot of these folks are accessible you know at them on a whim they'll more than likely be willing to like answer any questions you have Mm -hmm. um at you yeah yeah She gets a lot. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) It can get overwhelming sometimes, but I always have to keep that in mind that like it pays to get back to people, you know? Right. Um, And I guess the third one, always like be aware that the industry is changing every day. Mm -hmm. The journalism that I knew growing up from the journalism that I was kind of immersed in when I was being trained to be one and being a professional in it now are three completely different things. So much. And literally by the end of the week, we're going to be hearing some new trend or like some platform right. is non-existent anymore. Or <laughs> Instagram this is, is down. No, I'm yeah, I mean, that happens. <laughs> Gmail's yeah. been down. You know, right. Slack is down. Yeah. These are different ways that we're able to produce our work and stuff. So just stay abreast as to what's happening in the industry and see how you can make it beneficial to you as a creator if that makes sense yeah you can always finesse the predicaments of the industry to your benefit completely don't let nobody tell you otherwise people thought i was crazy in terms of like what i wanted to do and i somehow was blessed to be in this position that i am now i was not expecting it at all this early in my career yeah so completely completely what advice would you give to 10 year old antoinette um open up more Mm. because i i feel like part of the reason why i was just so immersed in the internet is because i was definitely introverted Oddly enough, yeah, I was doing the most, but that's because I was with groups of people, you know. Yeah, what I, mean? I wasn't by myself. I got to make friends and stuff, but I was definitely an introvert growing up. Would you consider yourself now an introverted extrovert? Because you know yeah. we turn up, like yeah, we don't, do. don't sleep on Antoinette and I. <laughs> we got, you know, I'll be out here. Yeah, I'm trying, out, you know, just a little bit though. Like growth is every real. one once in a blue moon. Yeah, <laughs> no, nah, growth is real. Yeah, like, I definitely have those moments where I, I need to be alone. Mm. but I also value community and I just value being around people doing amazing things and I just want to kick it with them. So I'll just do it. And even just to be an observer, like the best part is to be at uh, something, an event or whatever, and just be in a corner and just watching what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the best types of outings I like. So be open, be Be open, be open. Like just don't be afraid. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. I was always in my head too much. <laughs> I needed to get out of my head. And last but not least, please give me your favorite meme. I can't believe I didn't Ooh, ask you this when we were wow. talking about it. But yeah, it was in my heart. Yeah. And I was just like, mm. 
this is tricky because I know, <laughs> I know right because there's so many mm-hmm. and it's ever changing context matters you i'll know? tell you mine right okay. now mine is the one the stare off with diddy yeah that one because like b did a whole like mm-hmm. backstory on him too mm-hmm. and how he like didn't win the four and like nobody really talks about this show and apparently yeah. it's even canceled now yeah. but everyone knows him that's wild you know like he's like he's like i'm the chubby um what is it o- obj like mm-hmm. the, the the football player so mm. that's my favorite one for now <sighs> for now i know it always changes right next week is gonna be a different one i know um i'm trying to think of ones i use all the time <laughs> i always use the viola davis picking up her purse and walking away yes because that's like an like you know that's an, an evergreen yeah. mood <laughs> um you really can't go wrong with aki and papa memes you can't whether it's like a still or a clip Especially the knife one yes. where he's like, he's ah! like, you know, hysterical Killing and he can't. Myself. Mm-hmm. You know, let me just, uh, <laughs> I can't come and kill myself. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Word. Um, and I guess there's this one, you know, Stephen A. Smith, he's like a sports commentator. I think so. Um, there's this one gif that I've been, I've been using that on Twitter uh, quite a bit sometimes when mm. I just see people exchange with each other and stuff yeah and he's just drinking a green smoothie and just like looking back and forth like ooh, he said that Ooh, he said that you know what i mean hello yes, like yes like i just love this just, yes, yeah yes. Like, i love this just but i'm not saying nothing type of <laughs> vibe that one was hilarious i too. love the ones that like don't expect to go viral but mm-hmm. they do so i always think back to like when migos and like joe budden were fighting there was a i think she's an editor yeah too, of some publication i can't remember her, the publication <laughs> but know. she was just looking like what's Ooh, happening yeah. and she just got her own moment from that oh for sure and that's just the internet for mm-hmm. you Antoinette, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was so great. For sure, I had a great time. Of course, thank you. You're now part of the Afrolit fam. So where can people find you? Okay. Um... Or where you I'm want that, them to find you? Yeah, I'm that I'm that person <laughs> in media who does whose handles aren't like the same. But mm, you know what? Whatever. <laughs> it's a vibe. It's a mood. Um. So Twitter is my first name and my last name, Antoinette Isama. Um. And Instagram is just just Antoinette, J U S T Antoinette. Um. And then if you just go to my bio on my Instagram, you'll find um, the platform for my tiny life. Subscribe. <laughs> yes, all of us will and you yeah. shall. Thank you so much again Yay! for having me. Yeah. This has been another episode of Afrolit. You can hear me, Equa PM, on all places that podcasts are available. Yes, it's been another episode and stay tuned for more. Bye. Bye.